Welcome to the Genealogy Happy Hour, a place where new family historians can learn to document their family histories and celebrate their new discoveries. I'm Amy. And I'm Penny. And we're here to help you discover your family tree from the beginning. Welcome to episode 20. Today, Penny and I are going to uh, review a book, a genealogical mystery Mm -hmm. novel. We're going to talk about privacy issues, and we're going to talk about some ongoing research that we've both been working on. But first, let's get to the wine, Penny. I think we might have mentioned on the show before that we're both fans of the Biltmore Winery. We are. So what do we got today? (laughs) So um, this past Thanksgiving, I had the chance to drive up to Asheville, long drive, don't recommend doing it over a holiday weekend. <laughs> so, um, but while there, we went to the Biltmore to see their Christmas decorations in the in the house. And I bet it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. I, I've been there in the summer. I haven't been there in the it was, holidays. It was gorgeous. And the, but the only thing I thought of walking through this is poor workers that had to decorate those umpteen million trees. I said I probably wouldn't even want to go home and decorate my own after that. <laughs> but they were gorgeous. And, of course, the highlight to any trip to the Biltmore is hitting the winery and, um, and getting their Christmas Absolutely. blend. So I picked up um, a couple bottles, probably more than a couple bottles, of the Christmas Red and the Christmas White, which are both so delicious. And the, the Red is a, a soft red with fruit and berries and spice. And the white is a semi-sweet um, with apricot and spice and citrus flavors. And we're sampling the Christmas red we today. Are. And it's delicious. It's delicious. And the label is gorgeous. Yes. Yes. Gorgeous. The labels it's, are beautiful. It's one of those bottles you just want to have sitting around just all Christmas as yep. a decoration because yeah. it's so beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So, and the Biltmore does ship, right? It does, yes. Right. The Biltmore they ships have a wine. Wine club. <laughs> I mean, what more could you want? So, highly recommend it. Another one of my favorites there is the Reserve Chardonnay. That's, yes, that's yes. one of our favorites. We like that one, yeah. yeah really we do. pick that up. So, try it out. We'll put the link on our website in Perfect. the wine section mm-hmm. for that. And one other wine that I did pop up there just for fun because I finished reading the. Um, Alexander Hamilton book, which mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of you have read and mm-hmm. everything, but there's a wine out called The Federalist. Yes. I like I like that one, too. Okay. Well, yeah. I put up the one with mm-hmm. the uh, um, the one I got had Ben Franklin on the front. I, can't, I think it was a cab. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put that one up there, yeah. too, because yeah. that was... I think I've had their Chardonnay. It's okay. Good. Yeah, I like yeah. it, too. It's you know, I'm not a red here. fan, so I just... I mean, it was okay for yeah. me. Yeah. But um, maybe the white would be better. But mm-hmm. I was just super excited to see that while I was reading that the, book. And I'm like, well, true, yeah. of course I have to drink that <laughs> while I'm reading about Alexander Why Hamilton. Why did I think about that? <laughs> oh, because I was driving. I was. Oh, list- I listened to true. the book. I was driving the whole time. That's driving. why. Okay. <laughs> that's why. All right. <laughs> I knew there was a reason. <laughs> okay. So let's get to the book review. The book. So the book we're reviewing today is The Spyglass File. By Nathan Dylan Goodwin, who is one of our favorites. I think we've read all of his books We're fans. at this point. We are fans. And this is a, a Morton Farrier forensic geneolo- <laughs> genealogist story. And uh, the latest in the, in the run, It's it, you can totally read it on your own, but if you know... If you've read the previous ones, you can follow Morton's personal journey. Right. Um, but the story in this is a standalone story. Okay. 
and so interesting. Um, I loved this time period, the mm-hmm. World War II um, time period, and had no idea of the job that our uh, one of the women uh, in the story has. I thought that was it. Really did highlight uh, women's roles in mm-hmm. in the war, especially um, British women in the war, and mm-hmm. um, the fact that they were stationed in in Malta. You know, during mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know the battles there, and, and so yeah, it was, it was pretty yeah. incredible. So um, he's had, I guess, Morton Ferrier, our genealogist in this story, is having a, the hero. a tough time. He's having a tough time in his his, his career, I guess. And um, he's also in the midst of searching for his father, mm-hmm. who his who his real father is. Um, so he's he's gotten a case here from a woman who's trying to find out about her parents. She had, I think, she had recently found out that mm-hmm. she was she was looking for her birth record and she f- couldn't find it, and it, it kind of freaked her out a little bit. And yeah. then the more she delved into it, she realized she found it, and it was she had different parents. Yes. So she's hooked up with the with the, her uh, step siblings, mm-hmm. and um, has started uh, and has asked Morton to help her find her parents or find mm-hmm. out the mystery of her mm-hmm. birth. And he, in his delving into the story, we go back in time um, to World War II, yeah. a little cottage which has some serious mysteries yes. about it that she mm-hmm. stayed at, mm-hmm. um, or th- that her mother stayed at, the, the woman's mother stayed at, and what was happening at that cottage, right. what was yeah. happening with all the soldiers and the yeah. women that worked mm-hmm. at this place. Yeah. It was just fascinating, mm-hmm. fascinating yeah. history. Yeah. And of course, it is. Uh, you know, he come. Uh, we find out the answer at the end, which was something I, um, I didn't see coming. Um, I, w- I was hoping for yeah. something like yeah. the ending was going to be. I was like, oh, please, please, let it end up like this. And um, yeah. but it's it's little twists and turns throughout this story. It really, it, he he does a great job, I think, of portraying people and, and real life situations mm-hmm. and, and decisions that they have to make and that we see as genealogists going back in time and looking at these documents, you know, you're always wondering yeah. you know, what these people really like. And I think that um, Nathan does a good job of, of bringing mm-hmm. um, uh, images and, and the lives. And I appreciate in his stories that there's, there's a lot of tragedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he brings a lot of tragedy to mm-hmm. life. You know, in past books, you know, we, there, there was one, I can't remember which one it was, but the, the, um, the young girl was a servant and she's in this home yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. the, what she had to go through mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't really always have a happy ending. No, we, when we look at these, our, our ancestors or whoever we're researching. Yeah. yeah you realize I was looking at, um, a census the other day and the woman had 11 children and she had only two surviving in 1900. Oh my gosh. So she, this woman has lost nine Lots children and tragedy. then before she died, she lost another child. So yeah, 10 children dead. So yeah, we, yeah. we see that. And he, and he, really sticks to that it's mm-hmm. not there's yeah. not always happiness in in, in his books there's right. you know it's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. um but he does get records really quickly <laughs> he gets 
<laughs> Morton Ferrier, the hero of the story, gets DNA tests back from Ancestry in what, 24, 48 hours? Record time. Record time. I'm like, really? So, and, no, and Nathan does, does mention at the end in the notes that, you know, it, it is fictionalized because that's truly fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. But it also, but the story also uses DNA to yes. help, to help solve, yes. you know, um, or to resolve. It does. It the, does. Um, and and he gives you some of the places that he goes to look for mm-hmm. documents um, also can spark uh, something in in us to say, oh, hadn't thought about going there. Right. Let's he goes go look the, at that. He goes to a military museum mm-hmm. and looks at the records and the photographs. Mm-hmm. I mean, this book does rely on photographs. I think Morton Ferry does rely on photographs a lot yes. as well. Yes, and photographs in newspapers, too. Mm-hmm. Just random, some, yeah. how he found, you know, just by topics, not right. necessarily by looking at the person. Exactly. And those people show right. up. Right. So a lot of things to think about in our personal research, you know, you can get mm-hmm. from this book. We both highly recommend um, his book series, the Nathan Dylan Goodwin's books for Morton Farrier's. And is there a link um, on our website? Yes, they're all on mm-hmm. our website. You can Perfect. just go there and click right through and, and get them, and Perfect. they're they're all on Amazon. Right. It's it's such a great mm-hmm. series. Now, another thing, something that came up in the book that I thought was interesting was um, the the genealogist. He is of course looking for his birth father mm-hmm. um, throughout the series, and he is given. Well, I don't want to give too much, but anyway, he comes across some letters that he believes were written from his biological father. To his biological mother. Now his mother is still alive mm-hmm. in the book, mm-hmm. and so um, I thought that it was, you know, that's a kind of a, a conflict there. Of uh, you know, and yeah. so I started looking into, you know, is it proper to read someone else's letters? Because yeah, letters are something that genealogists should all be relying on, and we love it when we find old letters. And certainly, people who are deceased no longer have privacy rights. Right. So if if someone is deceased. Um, you know, reading their letters isn't such a big deal as if they're still alive. So, and and the character in the book um, has that conflict. You know, should I read these letters? Should I turn them over to the person that they were intended for? Mm-hmm. And I did a little digging um, on the internet because I was kind of curious to see what else was out there. And um, ran across um, thefamilycurator.com. It's a genealogical web a blog, I think. And, and um, there's an article on there about ethics, etiquette, and old family letters. Oh. And um, it, the questions are, is it morally correct, ethical, to read other people's mail? And is, is it socially acceptable, proper etiquette, to do so? And uh, I think that going through the article, um, they bring up some interesting points. But at the end of the day, it's really about, um, it's really up to the individual. Oh, you know, there was a um, brother and sister who found some letters that their mother had had left or grandmother had left and they decided not a journal. I know it was a journal that they had run across after their mother died and um, had some not so nice things written in it about other family members. And they decided that that was not something that their mother had would want to have published or make make publicly known. And it would probably cause some issues within the family. So they decided to destroy that journal. Oh. Yeah, I think so. I would have a hard time destroying, <laughs> destroying it. it. I would probably it. put it away for future generations when those generations yeah. were so far back. Who cares? Right, right. So definitely something that, oh. that we we need to think about as as genealogists because I think we get so excited about finding more information and 
um, the information that's, that's in, in, in those letters that we really have to think about how we're going to use those. Like you mm-hmm. said, you know, maybe you mm-hmm. don't publish it, but you don't destroy it either. Right. You hang on to right. it. Um, you know, I was reading, um, I'm reading, um, the Hemingses of Monticello and talking about Jefferson and his first wife. And there's almost, there's no correspondence from her. So there's, it's very hard to know who she was and, uh, because he destroyed all of their correspondence. So, uh. You know, just like, oh my gosh, you know, this woman, she has really nothing written about her. You know, we, we don't know who she was. So, um, we wouldn't wish that he hadn't. Yes, of course. um, So those are things to think about, you know, what is that information going to do to other people? Mm -hmm. Um, I -hmm. had that in, um, my family, there was a, um, an illegitimate child, um, and you know, should I put that person on my ancestry tree? Because, the record is out there now. It does say illegitimate. He was born in the 1800s, but um, the descendants of that father, biological father, are out there. You know, do I want to bring them into that? Do, do they need to know that? I don't know. I think, and I think uh, that's a good question. And for me, it would be the time period. Mm-hmm. If you're talking 1800s. Well, he was born in 1898. So oh, the late 1800s. Late, yes, right. Okay, that's so a little more his, recent. You know, he could have grandnephews and nieces probably from his father. Sure. So still, still alive. So, you know, did they know about that relationship and that family? I don't know. Yeah. So I decided to, I have the information in my files, but I just didn't put it on Ancestry because my, my family tree is public. So yeah. On Ancestry. Hmm. So yeah. I guess it'd be interesting. Like if you found this, that person on another family site or mm-hmm. whatever, and you knew they were a direct line and they were, they knew it was an illegitimate birth and mm-hmm. they were okay mm-hmm. with it, then maybe, mm-hmm. okay, somebody else is out there with it. Right. But if so, you can't find it anywhere and yeah. nobody has This it would have been my mother's knows. uncle. And he never he never married and he never had any ch- any children. Okay. So, it to me it just didn't seem like I needed sure. to to stir that it's up. It's too recent, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. But um, but I do have the information yeah. in my file. So, these are things that we just need to stop for a moment and think about. I yeah. think as genealogists before we move forward in how we're going to treat that information. Right. So, and well, that brings up uh, other things too. You know, in the book, um, they did do the DNA test mm-hmm. to to find mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. relation. And, um, two things on that with the privacy issue. One is, I mean, I had my dad and his cousin do a DNA test recently. Well, they just did it for fun pretty Mm -hmm. much too. Um, but to find out, to make sure they were actually cousins. And that was a hard thing to bring up. Um, mm-hmm. to them and saying, Hey, you know, your grandparents didn't get married till after your dad was born. I mean, it was a really hard mm-hmm. thing to bring up, but they were both really okay with it. And, and I think just coming to the person and asking it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and bringing it up and, and it turns out they were first cousins and, you know, I don't know what the whole story is behind why this couple chose to wait till after the birth of the baby to get married. Um, but yeah. Maybe, and maybe heard, a letter will turn up somewhere that answer that question. <laughs> I've heard other uh, professional genealogists or other genealogists who do work for other people, um, you know, get into situations where they've had the, you know, let's DNA test, you know, the, the family wants the DNA test and all of a sudden those results come back, not what's expected. Mm-hmm. Or you have one person in the family who is refusing to DNA test 
and you know you can't figure out why well maybe there is a reason why yeah. the rest of the family doesn't know right. um, or there's a suspicion there so we have to be very sensitive and not so gung-ho in our pursuit right. of our um uh, the genealogical research to understand that there are, you know, especially yes. doing DNA tests now, you know, you're dealing with living people mm-hmm. and the consequences right. of, um, of actions that happened a long time ago. And oftentimes those people may not be around to explain. Yes. So, so be careful when you take your DNA test, mm-hmm. be sure that you're ready to accept anything that might show up. Right. And that would lead me to an article, um, and I just got this yesterday, the American Ancestors by the New England Historic Genealogical Society, their magazine, had a, an article in there. Well, actually, it's on the cover. It, it's um, Bill Griffith's book, The Stranger in My Jeans, how DNA tests turned a TV turned TV anchor Bill Griffith's world upside down. And I thought, oh, interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that article. And it turns out the article was the first chapter in his book, which, of course, at the very end, I'm like, what? Now I have to get the book to find the answer. I mean, I am hooked. But you're by hooked, right? I am hooked. Yeah. It was such a good um, beginning. But he was encouraged by his cousin to take a DNA test, mm-hmm. and it came back that his father is not his father. Yeah. What? Yeah. Right. You know, so you have to be prepared for that, mm-hmm. that it mm-hmm. might, something like that might come and back. his father's no longer living. Uh, I haven't gotten that far. Oh, okay. That wasn't. Right. That's. I, I don't. I don't think so. His mother is living. His okay. mother is living. So yeah. No, I, I don't think his father's living, mm-hmm. but his mother is still alive. And apparently, um, there's a Q and A after mm-hmm. this, and it says something that you know she was helpful in mm-hmm. answering right. questions. But you know, how do you bring that up to your mom? So hey, mom, mm-hmm. you know, did you have an affair? Mm-hmm. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. deal here. Yeah. Um, that probably would have been me. I probably would have been stomping right over there going, what is the meaning of this? <laughs> but, you know, it is a very sensitive issue. Mm-hmm. And, again, privacy, you know, what if the mother doesn't want to mm-hmm. tell you mm-hmm. what right. happened? Yeah. Uh, that happened to, I think, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, it was earlier this year or the end of last mm-hmm. year. I mean, mm-hmm. it, they went public with it that um, there had been rumors, I guess, um, that his... Um, father who raised him was perhaps not his biological father and so he agreed to take a DNA test and it in fact showed that the man who raised him was not his biological father so yeah yeah surprise right yeah so So those surprises are out there but I still would encourage everyone to do a DNA test Mm -hmm. and and put it out there and and don't be uh, and and be willing to share Mm -hmm. to find your your cousin right. connections and, and whatnot, because so many things can turn up um, from these DNA tests. I have to say, this wine gets better with every sip. <laughs> it does, you know? doesn't it? It's very good. I have to say, it's yeah. so good. Um, okay, so we've covered that stuff. And now we're, how about current research? What are you working on? Well, um, I found, I'm working on uh, something. Interesting. I had someone um, contact me because my tree is public on Ancestry to encourage um, collaboration. And someone um, contacted me recently um, regarding, actually this is my late husband's second great-grandmother, and um, had some information, wanted to share it with me, and and asked me if I knew anything else because the, the surnames were not matching up. And I had done some research on that line, but on the um, paternal side and not so much on the maternal side. <clears throat> so I start, I pulled up my notes and pulled up the information I had. And um, my late husband's um, 
aunt was a very good genealogist, and so we relied on um, her notes and her family group sheets, her research, um, to really jumpstart the research onto that line. And then I've been going through and then actually documenting the information that she had on her uh, family group sheets. Occasionally, she would actually cite some some sources, but for the most part, um, there was no citations. And I came to realize, to my horror, that the I had sort of made some assumptions um, that I had not really analyzed the evidence um, on that maternal line, um, and I had not done research really on it. So, uh, started analyzing that and mm-hmm. realizing that um, there was a marriage. There must have been another marriage because. Uh, we, we know that the mother had married twice, mm-hmm. that the father had died. Mm-hmm. But when she married the second time, she married under a different surname. So mm-hmm. it wasn't her first husband's surname that she married under. Mm. But her daughter's husband was one of the witnesses. So I was pretty sure that was her. Yeah, sure. And so then I thought, well, oh my gosh, <laughs> did, did the first wife die? And did, and did the father marry a second woman by the same first name? You know, and um, you know, all of a sudden we have this <laughs> right. <laughs> all of a sudden we have another surname thrown in there, and uh, you know, there's definitely a conflict of, of evidence. So oh delving gosh. into that a little bit, and luckily I was able to find. I, I cannot find that second marriage as of yet, um, but I did find the marriage bond on FamilySearch.org, which I love FamilySearch.org for marriages. So they're just it's great. And uh, not only did I find the marriage license, which had um, only the names and the witnesses, but it actually had the marriage bond. Mm. And the bond says that she had been married twice. Excellent. So that's the only clue I have that that she, after her first husband died, she remarried and must have been remarried quickly because, you know, he's in the 1860 census. He's not in the 1870 census. And this is an 1873 marriage. So she married between 1860 and 1873 twice. Wow. So so working on that right now. But all thanks to um, this individual who's not even related to, uh, he's actually related to the second husband's family or the third husband's family now. Mm Mm-hmm. Our second husband, and he was just trying to clarify, you know, where did that name come from? Yeah. And, you know, based on the information I had on my tree was not obviously, well, it, it is accurate, but I don't have that other marriage on there. So that's yeah. fascinating. So sharing that um, really made me look at yeah. the, uh, at the evidence and start I think really that's, analyzing it. So. That's helpful too, just to think of when you started your tree on ancestry or mm-hmm. in whatever mm-hmm. venue you're putting right. your tree. How long ago was that, you know, and have you gone back to look at some of these people? Cause I'm sure mine are the same way. And sometimes I'm guilty of, um, putting in names and I'll, I'll take an example for what I'm working on now, which you helped me with, mm-hmm. um, the, the Burke line. Um, and then I dropped him like a hot potato, you, didn't I? You did, <laughs> but I'm still hoping that you're going to be like, oh, okay, I'm just- all right. <laughs> They were just not useful to my purpose. Yes, <laughs> I point, know, so. I know. Okay. Um, so my Burke line, anyway, we've, we've kind of found my John Jr. Burke, which my grandmother has written his name as, and we find him as John J. Burke, um, that his father also is a John Burke, mm-hmm. and we pretty much confirmed that he is the one in the 1860 census that has these brothers and sisters, James, right. Alexander, right. and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um but none of them have tested their DNA yet. Right. Nobody in those yeah. family lines that I know of has tested for right. their DNA to make your, a match. Your dad, your dad and your cousin don't have matches. Oh, so frustrating. Or your uncle. 
Um, but the Alexander is listed in the guardianship papers um, for mm-hmm. the two little right. boys of John Burke. So yeah. that makes that connection there. Um, but to connect them to this John Burke, there's a, a variety of Johns, not a lot, a, a, a couple out there that could be their, their father. But the one that looks most promising is one that's in um, Montgomery Township or uh, County, County mm-hmm. Ohio, yeah. whose wife is Elizabeth Winthrop. Mm-hmm. And so the, I just put them on the tree because that way I can mm-hmm. get little hints or whatever. Right. That is not definitely documented right. or anything yeah. like that. And, mm-hmm. and I know that. I know mm-hmm. I'm putting it out there mm-hmm. as undocumented mm-hmm. information, but it's I'm just trying to see what I can pull once it's out there. Yeah, I do that too. I, um, I definitely do that but too. Some, but what's hard is when you leave it <laughs> and you forget about it for right. a few years yeah. and then you find out you were wrong mm-hmm. and, you know, here that's been there for years. So uh, it when you were talking about your story, it made me think of all the things I've got on my mom's side of the family Mm -hmm. that I've done exactly Mm -hmm. this to. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think this is it. Let me put them out there. Mm -hmm. And then I don't go back and, um, revisit and refresh and make a decision. Yes, this is, or this isn't, and that shouldn't be sitting out there because I don't want to give other people false information that this is true, but I am using that site, you know, to, try to find out the truth. Right. So you put stuff out there that may or may not be true because you want to see what pops. You want to see what else comes up because that is the one good thing about ancestry is that you do get those pops. A lot of them are wrong, Mm -hmm. but then you will get some that, that are, um, that are accurate or that do lead you to at least eliminate that possibility right. or to cooperate with right. you, what you're, I think, but, and that's why it's so important that we don't copy information off of other people's traits. Right. Use it, use it for clues, Lose, but use do it clues. not Absolutely. just copy. Yes. And you right. just, I mean, cause you can just see the same repeated error over and over mm-hmm. again. When you look at those trees, you know, mm-hmm. the same, you know, four or five different people have copied the same information mm-hmm. and it's all inaccurate. I've seen people that have copied mine when I put a mm-hmm. wrong person right. down and I find out it's not and I change it. But I go back and here's all these trees that put that person up there. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I kind of feel guilty about putting them up there when the they're not the right person. But it's a researcher's yeah. responsibility. That's true. So, yeah. That is true. And then that also um, makes me think of when I was contacting people that had either a website or um, I found on Wikitree. Mm-hmm. If you've ever used Wikitree, you should you should definitely go there because there's, that's yeah. a collaborative effort as mm-hmm. well. Um, and sent uh, little private messages to those people um, to see if they have anything because they don't have any sources or documents listed on their mm-hmm. site. And I'm like, okay, well, you've connected all mm-hmm. these people together mm-hmm. too. How do you right. make that connection? Right. What right. are your sources? Right. Maybe we can share. Right. Um, so I'm waiting to hear back on on that because those are some of the the, the descendants of some of those other Burke siblings right that you think you're you're john yes one line is from the alexander and one line is from the james so Mm -hmm. i'm trying to say of course none of these people have done a dna test come on so Um, right which is great they could they could they're both the men the male line so they could do some y dna testing and that would really clear help you guys clear and you had found for me um some great obituaries from the finley library the finley hancock county library yes Yes. the the genealogist there is justin crawfus yes he is amazing he's wonderful yes justin you're great love justin and he's done a lot for me in the past and i um but he sent you some things Mm -hmm. and there were um, some great addresses in there that I went onto Google Earth and started plotting yeah. where my ancestor yeah. lived 
Um, but from the census, I went through the census mm-hmm. from when he was um, living with his great uncle before he was farmed out as an indentured servant okay. um, to that farm, or at least the area of the farm. The farm didn't really have an address to his home after he got married and then another home. I mean, he moved like three times in five years. And you got those addresses town. from the city directory? Oh, from the city directory mm-hmm. and, yeah. and from the obituaries. One of them had right. the obituary too. But yes, he he sent, yeah. Justin sent us yeah. the, or sent you mm-hmm. the um, directories. Mm-hmm. So that was really helpful. And turns out he was in partnership, I guess, with his brother-in-law, mm-hmm. um, Merrick Curtis, running a grocery store. Right. And you're, this individual that you're talking about right now, he we find, you found him in the 1880s census as what like a 13 year old a teenager working on a farm it was the eight yes because his parents yes, died in 1880 yes they died in 1871 and, and 72 and then he died in the 1890s yes. so his whole adult life is pretty much a mystery all you had was the obituary right. saying that you know went where he died right. and then there were there was a minister named and then there was um yeah. the person who owned the house where the funeral was from right so we did so, a little, right yeah. and from that we found out he was probably baptist because it right. was a baptist minister same, same minister yeah that ahead. married them yeah, right because right, found that and um that he was in the grocery business Mm -hmm. with his brother-in-law and now i've googled the houses and a couple of the houses when you google earth them they they look original they Mm -hmm. look pretty old so i was like oh that's probably where they lived so that was kind of neat to see to put this together Mm -hmm. for him yeah so definitely i mean librarians the the local county librarians are wonderful resources and they Mm -hmm. are always so willing to help we use them a lot um even uh, i use them professionally to obtain Mm -hmm. obituaries and information on the local level because those directories have not been have not been digitized that that we got from that library so and now you are able to start putting that 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 very short adult life Mm -hmm. um uh him to together so you could really kind of see what right. he's doing right yeah because you had no idea had no idea so yeah. and he didn't leave a probate so you know probably didn't think he was gonna die he was 27 yeah so didn't have a lot probably just starting out yeah. just left his wife with two little kids and then she mm-hmm. remarried and she remarried yeah so yeah very interesting it's stuff. very interesting story all right, so we wish everyone um, happy holidays. Yes. So we hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Obviously, Penny did up in the Biltmore. Had a great time. So uh, <laughs> happy holidays to everyone. And, and happy thanks, researching. Thanks for listening. Yes. Hope you do a lot of research over the holidays. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Please email us with any questions or comments at genealogyhappyhour at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.genealogyhappyhour.com, for additional resources, books, and wines. Don't forget to drink responsibly and never drink around genealogical documents.